WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. My name's John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems. And a few weeks ago, I talked about the uh, Kia EV6. The Kia EV6 is a great electric car. Um, it, it happened to be the GT version, which makes it ridiculously fast, as fast as any Porsche from 0 to 60 miles an hour. But Kia, in its wisdom, I guess, decided not to include a charging cable with the vehicle. And I asked the people from Kia about it, and they had kind of a weird answer. They said, well, we want people to either charge at home with their own charging stations, or we want them to experience public charging. Well, experiencing public charging isn't always that much fun. Uh, I charged one day at a level two charging. It was really slow, and it's one thing when you have something to do and you can leave your car for three or four hours and charge up. It's another thing when uh, you have to, you know, you want to go someplace. So home charging is a, is a good solution. Uh, but it, I've seen some home charging cables that come with electric vehicles, and typically they're convenience chargers. They're 120-volt regular, runs off a 15-amp circuit, and that can be a little bit of a... a, a time consumer not too bad if it's a plug-in hybrid vehicle but uh, being able to have a variety of charging cables can make life much easier and with us is michael Baum. he is the uh, general manager of uh, juice america and you guys came out with something called the j plus booster which is sort of a swiss army knife of charging cables right good morning john yeah that that is correct uh we came out with the J Plus booster exactly for the reason that you were uh, mentioning before, that some of the electric cars don't really come with a charger, leaving people pretty much stranded when it comes to, to charging solutions. And one of the things is, uh, you know, you kind of you look overall at uh, um, when you, you look at how these different various, you know, cables are made and so forth. The first thing I noticed about this product is how well constructed it was, how the uh, how the connections snapped together. This is a very well-made, highly engineered product. I appreciate that. It is, and it was our goal. It's, we did not want it to make just a other uh, cheap charging cable that you will have to throw away in two years because it's broken. But we wanted to make something that's really very solid, something that has value, something that will last for years. And that's why we went with quite a unique design. So our uh, the housing of our charger is a mil-spec aluminum housing, uh, which makes it uh, 6,600 pounds uh, crush-proof. So you can run over even with the heaviest EVs and nothing will happen to that cable. Uh, we are using aerospace type of connectors that are fully IP67 waterproof. So it doesn't matter if you use it inside, if you use it outside, if you hose it down with your pressure washer, if you have it laying in a puddle while you're charging, it will charge. Yeah, I, I was I was really impressed with that. I was reading some of the waterproof characteristics and, and very impressive with that. What, you know, when... Uh, 
let's back up a little bit. Uh, your company, uh, tell us tell us about the company in general, and and again, you know, you decided to come up with this sort of all-in-one uh, charging and, system. But tell us how it all started. Tell us about the company a little ab- bit. Absolutely, absolutely. Our founder, uh, Christopher Ernie, uh, is uh, in Switzerland. He was one of the first guys in Switzerland that put in an order for Tesla. And after patiently waiting for about three years until the Tesla finally got delivered, uh, he noticed he can't charge because, as you might know, in Europe, basically every country is a different plug. So the plug that was provided with the charger did not fit the Swiss outlets. He said, well, that's not very smart. Uh, so he uh, made an adapter that would allow him to charge with the result that he melted the outlet in his garage. So he thought, now this is really, this, this requires some action. And he and, and three other people, they got together and back in 2013 uh, made the first charging cable. Fast forward, uh, they came then out with the first generation of Juice Booster, which was kind of a square box, but already had a similar concept as uh, the J Plus Booster now, that you should have one charger that would allow you to charge wherever you go, whatever outlet uh, that you find. So he came up with a solution of having different adapters, uh, obviously, in Europe, basically different adapter for the different countries. Uh, here in the United States, uh, different adapters for the different outlets you're finding here that will allow you to whatever you have to charge as quickly as possible. And one of the things I noticed about this, and it was something that I actually mentioned to somebody with an electric vehicle one time, they were charging at their house with a with a conventional 120 volt. Uh, charging yep. cable, and I noticed the plug it was a plug that had sort of the horizontal slot. And I said, "Well, this is a twenty amp circuit. You know, if you if you're able to, you may find that there are some uh, charging adapters that will let you charge a little bit faster." And and this comes included in the kit, which means all of a sudden now you're charging from a a fifteen amp circuit to a twenty amp circuit, which really does improve the charging time. Uh, quite a bit off 120 volts outlet. It, it sure does. I mean, if from a regular uh, 15 amp outlet, you're looking at about 30 hours of charging until your your car is from from completely empty to full. Uh, it cuts it down to about 22 hours of charging, which still is slow, but it, it's it's an incredible improvement. Yeah, it is, and if you're if you're depending on where you live and maybe where your car is garage, you might have a 240 outlet volt outlet in a garage for something like a washing machine or air conditioner unit or something that you could unplug. You could plug this unit in because of the variety of adapter cables, and all of a sudden now exactly. you're charging charging at a much higher rate at a level two rate, which which you exactly. can do without having a a big charging box on the side of the house somewhere. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's actually the goal. You know, almost everybody having an EV will install a NEMA 1450, so 50-amp outlet uh, in the house or, or outside the house, which will allow you to charge with, with 9.6 kilowatts. So your average car battery will be fully charged in about four to five-hour time span. That's, but then that's... what do you... Go ahead. What what are you doing when you when you go somewhere when you go and visit some some relatives if you have somewhere a cabin out in the woods 
if you're going to an Airbnb, and that's really the beauty of our product. So it can be your everyday charger at home. There is nothing faster than this charger that is plugged in. If you want to go faster, you have to, to hardwire it, which is a lot more expensive to do it. So this charger can be your everyday charger. It gives you the maximum power at home, and then when you're going somewhere, you just put it in the carrying case. You take it with you. And whatever uh, outlet you will find at your destination, you will be able, again, to charge there with, with the maximum speed. That's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but like you like you just mentioned, Airbnb. So many people use Airbnb today. In fact, where I am right now, the house across the street is an Airbnb rental. It, you know, it... it rents typically every week, sometimes even a little bit more often. And I do remember one time there was somebody who was there with an electric vehicle and they were wondering where there was an electric vehicle charging station nearby and unfortunately it's either you go 20 miles in one direction for level three or you go 10 miles in the other direction for level two and then you know if you go to level two the 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 nearest one's kind of a pain because it's it's at a uh it's at a public park and ride, so there's really nothing you can do once you're there. You're sort of stuck there, so you kind of have to bring your car there, get dropped off, and then pick it up, you know, eight hours later, which which doesn't make any sense. But with something like this, um, whatever the outlet is that's on the corner of the house that somebody might use to, you know, run an electric fan or hedge trimmers or whatever they're going to use, you could plug in and at least maintain the battery. You might not be able to fully charge it, but at least you're going to, uh, you, you're going to be able to uh, get it back if you're just doing day-to-day short-distance trips. Exactly, exactly. And it's a little bit more than maintaining the battery because, uh, you know, usually when you go somewhere at, at a place like this, you, you are staying, you know, two days, three days, and that gives you ample time to, to top off your battery to, to increase your, uh, your range. Same thing for, for campgrounds, for example, you know. Most of the campgrounds have uh, TT30 outlets, and we have a TT30 adapter uh, that will allow you to basically fully charge your car in, in 15 hours. So it's yeah. really very, very versatile. Yeah, I suppose you see those same kind of outlets at. Uh, uh, I've seen them. I've seen them at campgrounds. I've seen them, uh, you know, in. I've actually seen them in marina parking lots, which I always thought was a little bit right. funny. But I guess they run the cable from the parking lot down to the down to the boat to charge up that way. But same idea. So you have you have this ability to get, you know, to use the name of your company. You know, you get more juice to the car, which is exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As an additional advantage, you know, for people that are snowbirds, you do not have to invest in two chargers. Uh, you can use the same charger uh, up in the north in summertime, and you take the charger with you when you come down here to us in Florida uh, in wintertime. You don't have to invest in two chargers. Additionally, you're not leaving your charger at the other location unintended, so somebody could vandalize it or or use it unauthorized, et cetera, et cetera. So there are a lot of advantages. Yeah, I, I have. In fact, that came up, I think it was out in the Phoenix area, that people were stealing the cords off of chargers because there's enough copper in it that I guess it makes it worthwhile. So you're right. They'd be able to just... Uh, uh, roll it all up and put it in the put it in the case it comes with and bring it with you and you may find that uh you know it just makes makes life that much easier and if you're traveling 
uh, like you said, from you know up north to down south, and you're staying at relatives' homes maybe on the way. You're stopping in Virginia or something at a, at a relative's house, and you're like, oh, I need some place to charge my car, and you see an outside outlet. All of a sudden now you can charge it up because you brought your cable with you where to somebody who you know wouldn't have the need for it, but all of a sudden it makes your life that much easier. And it's, and it's a your whole kit. Um, which comes very nicely packaged in sort of a, 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 a zipper case, doesn't take up a lot of room. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, people might be imagining, well, am, am I bringing a whole charging station with me? No, you're just bringing, bringing, bringing a cable and, and some adapters with you. It makes it nice and easy. Correct, correct. Yeah, we try to keep it as, as compact as possible, and there's still enough space in that case uh, to put additional adapters in it when you need them. Uh, in the base set, we have included the two most common adapters, the NEMA 515, which is just your regular household outlet, yep. and then the NEMA 1450 is what would you usually install in your garage for charging your car. All the other adapters for not making the kit uh, more expensive than it has to be can be bought as accessories so that you can really add the adapters that you need. And and speaking of adapters, uh, you know, here in North America now, we're going to the Tesla-style um, adapter or Tesla-style plug, I guess, um, in a lot of manufacturers. Uh, can this be easily adapted to that? Can you just buy a, a an adapter that people that people with Tesla users um, are using now that can go from this style adapter to the to the new North American standard? That that is correct. I mean, right now Tesla owners are all using the the Type One plug or J one seven seven two plug that we're using yep. right now to the Tesla. So there are adapters for that, but we are also in the process of. Uh, developing a new unit that will have directly the Tesla plug on it will be uh, probably available Q1 of next year. Oh, that's good to know. And um, the idea that you can use this for pretty much anything is just to me is is pretty amazing how how it all works. And um, and and the uh, digital display on the unit you you when you plug it in you have an idea you know is am am I going to have a problem because maybe this outlet isn't grounded properly or you know what you know the amperage you know looking at the LEDs and the idea that also that the unit itself is like you pointed out it is um, you know uh, you know built it, with it, aerospace principles so yeah exactly it, it, it's plug and play you do not need to download any any apps you're not dependent on having Wi-Fi or having Bluetooth it is plug and play but it has a display uh, on the charger itself that with, as you said, with uh, LEDs indicates the status. So green LEDs will tell you exactly with how many amps you're charging. Uh, red LEDs will be telling you if there is an issue. And it's not like with some other charges where you have to look at your manual to decipher some Morse codes because three times blinking means that, four times blinking means this. No, the LED will indicate directly where the issue is, if the issue is with the charger, if you have a problem with the outlet, if you have a problem with the vehicle, etc. At the same time, you also have a select button there. So when you attach a adapter to the booster, it will automatically sets the maximum amperage that this outlet is able to give. Now, 
some of the electricians, they have no problem putting a 50-amp outlet in a, in, in a house and only have it covered with a 40-amp breaker. And obviously, if you're trying to pull, pull the force, then it will trip the breaker. Uh, no problem with our charger. What you do is with the select button, you can actually downgrade your amperage and keep the, the breaker from tripping. So if you are going to a cabin that maybe has a little bit of iffy wiring because your Uncle Earl, nothing against <laughs> Uncle Earl, was doing the wiring himself, you're still going to be able to charge without tripping the breakers. The adapters themselves, they have a, uh, a heat sensor uh, in, the, in the plug, making sure that if there is a problem, if the outlet is heating up too much, it, really don't, it will interrupt the, the charging process. So safety is a priority when this was, when this was built as well. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, now, uh, if if you go to uh, Juice World, you can you can find the units there. But the units are also available on uh, Amazon and other sites as well, right? Uh, they they are available on Amazon. Exactly. They're also uh, available if you go on the jplusbooster.com. dot uh, com. Everything written out. J plus booster. You get them there directly on our site. Uh, you find them on, on Walmart, you find them on, on, on different different uh, uh, outlets, absolutely. And, and what I liked about it too when I was when I was reading when I was reading about it is um, your website has a lot of really helpful information. So you really kind of learn about it before you decide you want to go out and go out and buy it. And you know you, you've done you've uh, in the kind of uh, question answer portion of this you guys did a really good job of you know how long's the cable you know how well is it made how much does it weigh what what amperage is there um uh very very well put together and i think for people that are interested if they go to that jpluspooster.com website they're going to learn an awful lot about it before they decide you know if this is the right if this is the right charger for them or charger cable for them um you know, like you pointed out, it works with all battery electric vehicles, uh, plug-in hybrids with that J1772 connector, which is, you know, which is terminology 10 years ago no one ever heard of, but now everybody seems to be pretty comfortable with that. So uh, the, the idea that there's no installation required, plug it in and let it charge up the battery just makes it, makes it work that much better. Correct, and we really want to help people to understand the process because it is new for, for all of us. Uh, a lot of the dealerships, they know frighteningly little about uh, charging. Uh, it also seems that for a lot of dealerships, charging is not really an issue. Their issue, uh, their main goal is to sell a car. And so I'm trying to tell dealership, why, don't you, why do you let people go home without knowing if they really can charge or not? So they should really should provide information on how to charge a car. They should provide a charger that will allow somebody to charge a car, whatever the circumstances are. If you have made your homework and you have a, J1, a NEMA 1450 outlet in your garage, perfect. You can already uh, charge at full speed. But if you don't, don't worry. You have a way to charge your car. You're not going to be stranded. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. It, it is. It is the the idea of convenience makes it that much better. I was I was talking to uh, sort of legendary in automotive radio, uh, J, uh, Ray Meliazzi from from you know formerly of Car Talk on National Public Radio, and um, I was talking to him the other day, and he said something about an electric vehicle, and he doesn't have charging at his house, although he he has enough power at his summer house that he could certainly put that in but he said one day he uh drove to a cigar store stayed there you know smoked you know twenty dollars worth of cigars i guess and then while he was charging up an electric car and found out that the distance to get from his house to the cigar store and back pretty much used up all of his charge that he put into the vehicle so the idea of having a a a versatile charging cable makes a whole lot of sense so uh it it really is it really is good so people want to learn more about this j plus booster.com or uh you can uh, you can google juice world you come up with a lot of information there too uh michael i want to thank you for taking some time out of your sunday and joining us on the car doctor program this is very informative well i really appreciate you you having me It, it was a true pleasure talking to you it's great. And next week, uh, we're going to be talking to uh, somebody who owns a, uh electric car dealership. They sell just used electric vehicles, and their their job, like yours, is to help educate the public. They don't want to send people home without knowing if they can charge up their vehicles or not. So it seems like this, this all kind of blends in together. So, Michael, I want to thank you for uh, helping us inform everybody. This is great. And uh, uh, keep up the good work, and we'll talk again soon, maybe. Thank you, sir. Uh, it will right. be my pleasure. All right. Thanks take so care. Bye-bye. <laughs> we need to take a break and pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. If you would like to join us and talk about electric cars or any kind of car or any kind of car problem, our phone number is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. This is Dan Cloutier. And this is Kim Jennings. We're from Birch Bear Records. Tune in to Twilight Showcase Radio. Hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James. On 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase on Facebook and visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tomorrow night from 7 to 9 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program. And something that isn't an electric vehicle uh, is the Nissan Pathfinder. And uh, I had the opportunity to drive this a bit. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty formidable vehicle. Uh, it was all new for 2022. And... Uh, they called it, Nissan had kind of interesting words for it. They said uh, it's return to rugged uh, for the 2023 model year. Uh, Pathfinder continues its vision uh, with the off-road inspired Rock Creek model. It's designed for drivers with the desire to venture away uh, from uh, 
the pavement onto roads left less traveled, powered by a 3.5-liter direct-injection V6 engine, rated it uh, 284 horsepower, 259 pound-feet of torque. The Rock Creek is... Uh, it actually comes up just a little bit, I guess, 295 horsepower, I guess. So uh, if you if you use premium fuel, so you can gain a little bit of a uh, little bit of horsepower, not a lot. Uh, sometimes going from regular to premium, you can gain 10%. Not quite as much in this case. The engine's paired with a nine-speed automatic transmission designed to maximize both on and off-road performance. In the Northeast, most of the Pathfinders will most likely be equipped with Nissan's intelligent four-wheel drive uh, system that provides increased traction, and it's uh, it makes four-wheel drive easy. It's, you know, there's a setting for sport, eco, snow, sand, mud, ruts, and towing. Uh, Pathfinder can tow up to 3,500 pounds with standard, you know, capacity. 6,000 pounds on the Rock Creek, uh, providing you have the right towing package to go along with it. Like most vehicles today, there's plenty of technology. Every Pathfinder uh, grade features uh, something called Nissan Safety Shield. A 360-degree suite of technology includes automatic emergency braking, pedestrian detection, blind spot warning, automatic uh, forward braking, rear braking, high beam assist. You get the whole idea. You get a lot of safety stuff in this. Uh, Also, um, traffic sign recognition. So, you know, if you're if you're got the cruise control on and speed limit drops from 70 to 55, and there's a sign for it, it'll j- slow it down a little bit. Um, standard Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, which is kind of nice. Wireless device charger, which is nice if you have a phone that doesn't require a charging cable. Just dropping it in there is a nice thing to have. Bose 13 speaker premium audio system is standard. Uh, on the Platinum uh, models available on the other ones. Um, And one of my favorite features of the infotainment system, and I talk about this way too much, actual knobs for tuning volume and, and, uh, you know, the idea that you have to go into a system and use a touchscreen or maybe controls on the steering wheel to adjust volume or to change stations is a pain. Put some knobs back in, and Nissan did that, so it was kind of nice to see. Um... There was also a time we talked about cup holders in a vehicle. How many cup holders they had? You know, did they have, you know, 11 cup holders for seven, you know, seven seating. Today we talk more about USB ports and, you know, uh, you know things you can plug other things into. So, you know, cigarette lighter plugs, USB connections. There's a bunch on this. There's six. There's also a 120-volt uh, outlet, uh, I guess, you know, to run a, a real video game or blender at a, tailgate or something um i haven't used the 120 volt outlet with the exception on a ford uh hybrid uh pickup truck where it was actually a 240 volt outlet kind of handy to have um the uh second row seats are uh uh they they flip forward to provide access to the third row the third row is still not the easiest thing to get into um i kind of think that this size vehicle let it seat five and get it over with, but uh, but it can seat up to seven, so yeah, I suppose. Cargo air is decent with all the seats in use. Uh, uh, Nissan says it will hold four golf bags. Kind of an odd statement for an off-road vehicle, I think, but, uh, you know, maybe maybe it should say how many tent pieces it holds or something. Fuel economy is 21 miles per gallon in the city, 27 on the highway, 23 combined. Overall, pretty 
good economy for you know a heavy decent sized vehicle bottom line is the pathfinder from nissan is a good suv that competes with the likes of the kia telluride and honda pilot and ford explorer um but not quite, because those vehicles are not really designed for off-road, where this one, with its Rock Creek look at least, seems more off-road-ish. Um, but uh, it's a good SUV, there's no question. Is it a great SUV? I'll let you decide for yourself. Go to your local Nissan dealer, take one for a ride, and see what you think. Uh, where are we going? Jesse says we're going to... Robert and Tingsboro, I believe, as soon as my computer wakes up. Yeah, Robert and Tingsboro. Robert, what's going on? Good morning, John. Hope all is well. Uh, things, things, are, things are moving along here. It's cooled off a little bit. I don't know yeah. about up where you are. but, but Perfect. Love it. My, my wife got up this morning and went, it feels chilly out. It's only 62 yeah. degrees. Yeah. yeah, it was. And now you like it. Then. So, okay so, so, we had, so we had summer last week, and now we have fall. Yeah, give it to me anytime. Yeah. Anyways, uh, a few weeks ago when we talked, you mentioned the next vehicle was going to be a Maverick. I was just curious. Are you looking for the hybrid, the EcoBoost? Uh, yeah, it, it's kind, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. I was looking for the hybrid because a, it's cheaper, and I'm cheap, and b, it gets better gas mileage. And if I really do continue this sort of trip back and forth from Massachusetts to Florida. I kind of want something that gets good gas mileage but also has decent storage. So the hybrid is one. So I happened to be talking with the PR person for Ford a week or so ago. And I said to her, hey, can you help me be able to get a, a, a Maverick? And she said to me, a hybrid? Nope. No. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Right. She's like, she's like, there's like a year and a half wait to get one. Yeah, and she's like, even, yeah, even trying to order one, you know, kind of, you know, try to sneak around the corner and try to do it directly through Ford. Um, looks like it looks like it's going to be quite a ways to get one. So I'll tell you uh, what, though, the auto banks are still open on the Maverick, but the EcoBoost, you know, whether you get front drive or all-wheel drive, and that's almost two weeks tomorrow. And last year and the year before was five days. And so what Ford did seemed like it's working. It's slowing down that demand so they can catch up. Right. They're still trying to get the 23s out. And the fact, you know, I didn't go for a hybrid thing anyway they wanted it yeah in fact you mentioned knobs yeah well there you can turn the radio on and off volume change the station with knobs or you have the option of the touch screen if you yep. like you know so they not versatile in that way and uh yeah i mean i'm really impressed with mine i mean you know it's probably as quick if not quicker than that hemi powered ram was it's you know with the weight difference i, yep. was, I was hoping it would be but oh yeah that uh, thing gets up there on the highway merging, and yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, it's no, so it's quiet. <laughs> they're they they're good. They're good vehicles. In fact, um, the um, about four times a year, I do a program with uh, um, Jamie Page Deaton. She's the she's the actually the editor in chief of Car Talk now, but she used to be, and she's also North American Car and Truck of the Year juror or something, and. Um, the uh, the guy we, the guy who sort of does this radio show that we do up in it's actually Maine National Public Radio we, like I said we do it about four times a year and the guy who's the producer I guess of the show um, had a Prius for about I don't know put uh, two hundred thousand miles on it or something and he bought a Maverick and uh, 
he loves it. He says it's it's absolutely the best vehicles he ever owned. He likes the gas mileage. He lives up in Maine, so he wanted something that would uh, be able to haul some stuff if he needed to. Uh, he says it's been so far. It's been a really good vehicle for him, and he's been he's been he's putting some miles on it. And he says it's been great. yeah. No, oh, yeah. it's uh, Ford. Ford did a really good job with this, and I think what they really did is and. You know, a lot of people have been saying it forever is there needs to be a smaller truck available to the public. And even though, you know, Chevy had the Canyon and Ford came up with the Ranger, the Ranger wasn't, the Ranger's not much smaller than the original, you know, F-Series pickup trucks. Right. You know, the pickup trucks got bigger and the Ranger got bigger. You know, if you look at a, if you look at an old-time Ranger from a bunch of years ago, yeah. you're like, well, that was a, yeah, that was a small truck. Now yeah. the new Rangers look like F-150s, you know, if you squint a little bit, where I think the Maverick kind of fits in nicely as a, as a truck that, you know, for somebody who needs a truck, you know, they're not going to, you're not going to carry a ton of concrete in the back of it but people don't people you know people go to the you know home depot and lowe's and you know pick up a cabinet or go somewhere and the idea to have that little bed available uh just makes a lot of sense to me yeah i actually have put some concrete pads in the back of it <laughs> it's yeah. you know probably had about a thousand pounds but you know i've got a carpet there but you know and not having the uh hybrid you know i don't expect yep. 40 miles a gallon but it's getting you know 28 30, you know, depending on how heavy my right foot is. And yeah. Usually it's heavy. You know? Yeah. And, you <laughs> yeah. know, to get that kind of mileage, um, you know, you would never get that with, you wouldn't get that with a Ranger, and you certainly wouldn't get that with an F-150. F-150 with the, you know, uh, EcoBoost, you know, maybe you'll get 21, 22. Right. Uh, but you're not going to get close to 30, so. Yeah, but like I said, I've been pretty happy with it, other than the fact that, yeah, you can compare the original range, uh, yeah, yeah. mid eighties. This is probably exactly the same size, except it is longer. It's got a hundred and twenty-one inch wheelbase right. and two hundred inches long. But other than that, it does have a lot of similarities to those first ranges when they were actually compact. Yeah, I, I remember when the Maverick first came out. The, um, my press association we had we had a uh, preview of it they brought they brought one of the first ones out for us to look at and they brought both the uh front wheel drive hybrid and the all wheel drive and you know people were people were pretty amazed and and you know back then when they when they very when they when they came out for the very first time you know they were they were saying you know before taxes and delivery you could buy you could buy a ranger for 20 grand um, well, you can't quite do that anymore. But on the other hand, you know, it's still it's still a really reasonably priced truck. Yeah, uh, I priced mine up in a twenty four model. It went up four hundred forty five dollars. You know what yep. I have and what you know. So the Lariat didn't change much. It's the hybrid and the XL. The XLT yep. not being base engine anymore. Sure, fifteen hundred dollar jump that probably turned people off. But it's still. It's still cheap if you're not going to get a loaded one. You just want a basic hybrid truck with, you know, a few options. Yeah. Uh, no, it, sound, it sounds good. I think, Robert, you made absolutely the right decision. Oh, thanks a lot, John. It's always good right. chatting with you. All right. Take Have care. Day. Take care. Bye-bye. If you'd like to chat with us, our phone number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. If you want to join us, I'd uh, love to see what's on your mind about your car and car problems. Um, got some got some weird questions in the, in the mail, and um, 
And one of them, and we're going to be talking to the folks from Innova. Um, they're the people who make scan tools, and they just recently sent me a new scan tool to try out. Uh, and we'll talk to them a little bit about it. It is um, a tablet-based. And the other one I've been getting a lot of questions about, there's a, there's a scan tool called uh, from a company called Xtool. Uh, I don't know anything about it other than one of our listeners or readers bought one, and he bought it with the idea because he wanted to get a second key for his car, and um, and the dealer told him it was going to be like 400 bucks to get the key, and when he uh, he bought this scan tool for about 500 bucks, bought the key online for like $40, and he was able to code his own key fob with it. So uh, that's a company called Xtool. Uh, Innova also makes uh, a pretty good-looking scan tool. I've tried it on a few vehicles so far. Um, I have some questions about it still. Their other scan tool, the 5610, a uh, bit more portable one, uh, um, that one that one works really well too. So we have uh, we have a couple more people on the phone here, and uh, and let's go to Rusty and Wooburton. Rusty. Hey, good morning. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for being there. Well, actually, I called you guys a few months ago. I'm in general. I have a, um, a 2012 Prius with about 220,000 miles on it, and I was hoping to get it to at least 400,000. I just had a few issues come up with it this week, but I um, just want to share this one issue. I, I took my car, and I have a lifetime alignment deal with one of those um, tire yep. places. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I brought in for an alignment in a rotation, and all of a sudden, like, I got a flat, and all of a sudden, AAA is like, hey, you know that you're bug nuts are all rusted, and they're not locked. I go, what do you mean? So I called the shop back. Oh, yeah, we, um, yeah, there was just an issue there. Like, we put the, we put replacement lug nuts on. I go, what are you doing? So I ended up just going to the dealership yesterday. I ordered a whole bunch of lug nuts. I'm going to replace all the whole, you know, all, all 20 mm. of them in my car tomorrow at my shop. But, you know, then to make matters a little more interesting, on Friday I was coming home from work and from Boston, and, I, and something bounced off my car. Now it's making this noise. It's driving me nuts. I'll just have my mechanic look at that. But I still think I'm on track to keep this Prius for another three, 400,000 miles. That's what I think. Um, I, I don't see why not. I mean, the the, um, the batteries I've seen. I have not the, replaced the battery yet. So yeah, that, that but, I, but I've, I've seen these batteries last about 400,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and I've seen them time-wise. Uh, I was uh, talking to somebody who had the first-generation Prius about a year and mm-hmm. a half ago. Finally, the battery failed on it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are some tools that you can kind of get an indication of battery life. We've tested some of them at work. We haven't found them to be super accurate yet. Uh, even mm-hmm. the scan, even the scan tool I was just talking about has the ability know, to I've, test I've a high. Seen that before. Uh, yeah, yeah I, my, one of my friends tried to get that before it didn't work. He had to return it because yeah. he had an issue and he was just like that. But you know, I think by the time if this battery ever needs to be replaced, there's so many other conditions. You know, it's, hopefully you'll be able to get a refurbished one. I, I know there's a place in Foxborough that replaces. They actually come to your house and change it out yep. too. Go. Yep. So, no, there, there's the there's future. there's one there's one there. I think there's a I think there's a guy up in um, Lawrence Leo's Leo's Auto Repair, and his son his he's all into uh, electric vehicles now. He's he's been doing some battery replacement, and like you pointed out, they're rebuilt batteries now. There's companies that are taking them apart, uh, changing out the bad cells in them, putting them back together, and you get 
you get another you know seven eight years out of them. So makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's, and it's I, I guess it's odd that the uh, tire store would just put some odd lug nuts on and not tell you about it. Well, no, it, it's weird because you know the you know the, uh, for the uh, you know the Triple A gentleman said, "Oh, this is what happened." And I said, "Oh, there's been some construction down my neck of the woods." Yeah, I ran over something, and I called the the, the contract's actually going to reimburse me for everything because what happens? Like, yeah, we got an issue. We you know, we replaced a couple of roofs. There were some nails going on. You're not the only car that got yep. a flat. And I was like, oh, thank you. But no, but when they told me that, so I called the shop. They're like, yeah, yeah, we had a couple of new people. And I go, well, you know what? That wasn't good to me because those were factory, you know. Right. I never would have thought a lug neck would have caused so much issue. But then when I talked to the guy at the um, dealership yesterday, when I ordered the parts, he's like, yeah, it happens once in a while. But yeah, it's just stupid, though, you know. Yeah. Because if something it, had really happened, then I would have I had no clue about it. Yeah, no, it, it's. I I will tell you a story. I was uh, I was in Florida. I went to go get. Uh, we have a Volkswagen we keep in Florida. It's got a big belly pan under it. You got to put it on a lift to change the oil. It's impossible to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I I brought it to I brought it to a place for an oil change. And a couple of days later, I'm like, eh, it seems to be dripping in the. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe they spilled some oil on the belly pan and yeah. it's just waiting to drain off. Well, come right. to find out, somehow they lost the oil drain plug. Oh, and and they uh, they put in just another one that you know fortunately they didn't screw up the threads in the pan but they right, put in another right. one that was leaking so I brought it back and they and they somebody else looked at it and I said hey what happened here and they and they just kind of went oh that's Jimmy he's and I said well Jimmy shouldn't be changing oil you know and right, uh, he shouldn't be there at yeah, all yeah so the next time I went to a triple A approved shop down there right. and uh, and I actually brought them I brought them the factory oil pan uh, uh-huh. drain 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 plug with me I I told the guy the same story and he goes. Boy, how do you lose an oil train plug? And I'm like, I don't like, I don't know. And if you did lose it, wouldn't you try everything? Even if it went down the oil drain bucket, wouldn't you throw a magnet right. in there somewhere and try to pull it out right. to put the right. right one back in? The idea that somebody would right. do that just and not say anything about it is even crazier. Right. So, yep, that's what, that's what kind of bothers me because it's a very well known establishment. I don't want to cause any issues, but yep. it's just it's very frustrating. It's like really, it's. You know, I yeah. have a lifetime alignment too, which is like, I'm not going. Now I'll just go, I'll just pay my mechanic an extra twenty bucks to rotate the tires if that's going to happen. Again, so. You know that uh, it's that that to me, I think, might be money well spent. It is, yeah. yeah. It's like you pay twenty bucks not to yeah. worry about it again. So. Yeah, there you go. Hey, Rusty, thanks yeah. for calling in. Thank you. Fred. Keep up the. I love the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah, uh, let's go to Brad in the hunt. Brad, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Great, great. I'm actually uh, on the way to go look at an SUV for my son today. and It's uh, another Toyota kind of question, a uh, Lexus, 2012 Lexus uh, with a GX460, I believe, with a 4.6 liter V8. Yeah. Um, can, can you tell me uh, your familiar familiarity with the vehicle? Well, it, it's it's an interesting vehicle because it's 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 probably as much of a Toyota as as you know Lexus ever made. Um, it is. I mean, it's certainly it's certainly a good vehicle, but it's sort of a it's sort of a forerunner, and which makes it exactly. a really which makes it a really solid vehicle. Um, the you know the the idea that it's um, you know it's got a good solid engine in it. Um, it's a it's a it's a good solid vehicle. I, but the problem is, you said what is it? It's a 2012. 
Yeah, with a hundred thousand miles on it. Well, you know, mileage in that case, you know, hundred thousand is is pretty much nothing. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be concerned about mileage on it. I'd be more concerned that it's an eleven year old car and it could have eleven year old car problems. But I mean, as far as stuff that goes wrong with it, um, that engine's had some water pump issues. Um, Mechanically, it's had you know some of the upscale stuff they put in there. You know stuff like the uh, the navigation unit has had some problems. Um, you know, air conditioner stuff has had some problems. Key fobs, you know, some little stuff. But the transmission, you know, is, has been solid on it. The engine's been solid on it. So not a lot. I'd I'd be looking just like every used car. I'd be looking at, you know, things like easy stuff like brake wear, suspension, steering suspension. Has it been previously in a crash? Look really close. You know, get it out in the sunlight. You know, really sight down the car. Look to see if, you know, there's panels that are different colors if um you know toyota and lexus both you know has does a really good job of lining up all the the seams with the car so you want to you want to look for anything that doesn't look right like the rear hatch doesn't doesn't look like it's even on both sides the doors look you know the same way look at the gap look at the gap in the hood make sure everything looks nice and straight that's going to tell you if it's had previous body damage. You know, crawl under, crawl under it a little bit with a flashlight and uh, look for anything that could possibly be leaking, any oil, you know, oil transfer case leaks, stuff like that. Um, and um, you know, this this might have uh, a push button start smart key. See if it's got two sets of keys to go with it too, to save yourself from uh, having to buy another key. Well, awesome, awesome points. Um, do do um, is is that one of the Toyotas that had the rust issue? Um, no, restoration no, thing? no, not not that not that I'm aware of. I mean, anything can, depending on where it came from. But not that not that I have been aware of with these. These have been these have been pretty solid vehicles all the way around. Um, sh- I mean, sure, you you know, same thing. Bring you know, bring a flashlight with you. Look under there. Look for rust. But not that I'm aware of. Um, I would be concerned if I saw something like brand new undercoating under there. Are they trying to cover something up? But no, there hasn't yeah. been. You know, there's been there's been rust on the only place that I remember really rust issues is on that rear hatch. Um, if you open up the hatch where the hinges connect to it, look for rust and corrosion up around there. Some of those literally rotted out with a hinge connected to the body, and I'm not quite sure why that happened, but it it would it would rust out there. The other thing is, uh, I'm always suspicious these days of. Um, any used car with the possibility of, you know, was it involved in any kind of flooding or anything? Uh, especially that up around, yeah, 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 especially up around your way. Um, uh, you know, I would, I would look, you know, again, look at stuff. The car, uh, the car's on a used car lot that says it came out of Connecticut. That's yeah, the only yeah, really yeah. They they have they had floods in Connecticut too. So, um, but I would I would just you know I would look for. You know, open up I'm the doors. Water damage from something that's been dried yeah. really good. Yeah. Well, I'm um, open up the doors, slide the seats all the way back, and look for signs of rust and corrosion where the seat brackets actually bolt to the body of the car. That's going to give you kind okay. of a clue. Um, uh, where the spare tire sits underneath the car, if you really wanted to get ambitious, you could, you know, get up 
on the other side of the spare tire, a lot of times people get lazy when they're clearing them up, cleaning them up, and they don't look on top of the spare. Uh, pull the air filter out. See if it either looks like it's muddy because it got in the water, or look and see if it's brand new. Maybe it did. Um, look at any any electrical connections where they attach to the body. So, like the negative battery cable where it goes down to the uh, to ground. Look and see if there looks like excessive signs of corrosion there. Anything that bolts together that could get rusty could you know tell you that maybe that was underwater and. And the other thing is, you know, your 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 nose is going to tell you a lot about the car too. You open up the car, and if you smell mold and mildew, it might have got wet. Gotcha, gotcha. Those are some good uh, indicators there. That was my main concern with the people yeah. trying to pull some uh, water damaged vehicles. Yep. Yeah, and and even the same thing. Look at the look at the tail lights, and if you see condensation in the tail lights, moisture might have got up that high and got in there. Gotcha. Yeah, no, all all great points that I, I I I considered most of them, but you definitely added a good half dozen things to the punch list. Yeah, and and again, it's one of those vehicles that has been, you know, it's been a solid vehicle because I think it's been a solid vehicle because it it. You know, they they kind of gussied up a Toyota to make it work, and it yeah, just super you know, Colorado. yeah, and and it just you know, I think because of that, it just. It did really well, um, you know, in, you know, going back, you know, six or seven years and things like Consumer Reports, highly recommended vehicle as a used car, so I think it's fine. Like I said, you're, the only problem is it's uh, 11 years old, so it could have 11-year-old car problems, you know? Which would be belts and hoses. Belts and, and hoses, you know. You know, run the AC, make sure the AC is working. Use, you know, try out all the accessories. It's funny how, you know, sometimes you don't think about that stuff until after you have the car for a few days, and all of a sudden you find out all oh, the AC is not working, or and um, and never believe the story of it just needs a charge. You know, if you go to look at an AC, if you, you go, you know, because uh, they never just need a charge. You know, it's there's always something, there's always something wrong. You know, so um, so if you get there to this, and, yeah, yeah, and if you get to this dealer and they say, and you say, oh, I just want to, you know, I want to check the heat and the air conditioner. I want to run all the windows up and down, make sure everything works the way it should. You know, open it up and close the tailgate, make sure everything's working the way it should. And if they say to you, oh yeah, the AC is not not that good. It just needs a charge. Now there's something wrong with it. Yeah. And can I, I have one more quick question sure. on top of the question would be, um, what if they try to sell me an extended warranty with the thing? One of those, like, two-year after yeah, point of warranty. Yeah, I mean, it's been my experience that any extended warranty, and, and I just had breakfast with the guy who was in charge of extended warranties at AAA. Um, but most extended warranties, once they get past 10 years, and and we we have some products that we're coming up with too, but um, they don't cover they don't really cover that much. Um, I would rather you know if they're going to sell if you're going to you know spend two grand on an extended warranty, take two grand yeah, put it take take t- take two grand put it in the bank. You know, and oh, if you and if you're dog. lucky if you're lucky at the end of two years, you got two grand in the bank still. And if you're not lucky at the end I of two years that. and you had to tap into it to do brake calipers or something. Oh, you did. Uh, that's but a it, great way. Yeah, that's a yeah. great way of looking at that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and to uh, my my buddy Ted that we went out to lunch with. Sorry about that. It probably just killed his sales that's for okay. the day. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but we do we actually do have some great extended warranty products for newer cars, and we even have um, 
for some new cars, we even have a, a wheel, tire, and key fob protection that's like half the price that new car dealers sell it for. So, um, so there's some good products that we have. But you know, once you get out that that long, um, you know, the the insurance companies, which is what a warranty is, you know, they're just they're just you know hoping you you can never collect on it, and they're not going to cover that much because it's an old car at that point. You know, you might get, sure. you might be able to go out another, you know, maximum of, you know, 20,000 miles. So maybe you're going to get it to 120,000 or something. But, you know, for that short period of time, you know, have to check the, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, have the car. Yeah, yeah, in my opinion, but yeah. Okay. I appreciate it so much. All right. All right. Good luck. Great show, by the way. Great show. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. We need, we need to take another break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you would like to join us, we have a few minutes left. Give us a call at 781-837-4900. You're listening to Car Doctor on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. It's a grill and chill summer here at WATD. Listen for the sound of the sizzle. When you hear the sizzle, be the correct caller and win prizes from places like Old Hitching Post Restaurant, Six Flags Amusement Park, Fred Astaire Dance Studios, and Plymouth Cinema. We then turn up the heat. As each prize winner is qualified to win a Weber Genesis Grill from Hingham Lumber. Keep listening through the grand prize drawing during the South Shore's morning news on August 18th. It's a grill and chill summer. Brought to you by Hingham Lumber on your station with the sizzle. 95.9 WATD. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor on 95.9 WATD. Now back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. And speaking of other programs, uh, Miles on Motorsports. We're going to be talking to Miles in a couple weeks, um, sometime mid-August, I think, uh, about what he's got going on, the kind of motorsports world. Uh, something which I honestly don't follow that closely. Um, I guess because maybe I have like ADD or something. The idea of watching NASCAR uh, to me just seems like it takes too long. Um, I prefer drag racing if I have a choice because... Well, it takes like three and a half seconds, and um, I just find it. Uh, I, to me, it just seems more exciting. But uh, but I want to talk to him. You know, I've been listening to his commercials for a while. I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk to him about what he's got going on. Um, and I think he had, like we did, we had Dale Quarterly on the program. I think he had Dale on his program about a month ago. Um, and uh, a little a little sad, uh, you know, Brian Loans, who's been on this program before, posted something on his Facebook page about a kind of legendary drag racing track closed, but uh, another one's going to kind of take over. 
Uh, yeah, I think uh, drag racing. I, I mean, is it is it good for the environment? Well, it burns up a lot of fuel. It makes a lot of noise. Yeah, but there's something exciting about it. I kind of like it. Uh, somebody wrote to me and they said they have a 2002 Saab convertible with low mileage, very good mechanical shape, except for the soft top. And they say, as you know, Saab is out of business, but life goes on. My problem relates to the top. I was closing it and suddenly, for no explained reason, the mechanism stopped responding to the operating switch. The local experienced serviceman was able to close the top and the tonneau using the manual method, which is usually like a prank or something. Um, but was unable to diagnose the underlying problems. He does not think the problem is with the motor. Is there anything that repairs these? Oh, is there anyone that repairs these mechanisms? And do you have any idea about what is causing my problem? Bit of a challenge because this is a pretty complicated top. I think there are about 12 different micro switches to get all of the stuff to work together. And if all those switches don't close when they're supposed to, the top's not going to work. Um... I would go to, like, Saab Forums, look for recommendations in your area, and see what there is. Hey, that music means we are out of time for today. I want to thank our guest, Michael Baum, from uh, Juice World for calling in, telling us about their charging cable. I think if you own an electric vehicle, it's a good way to go. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.